0: times that if you're a parent, you have to divide and conquer. And Monday was one of those times for us. It was trick or treat. And we're still not at the age where we're like, "Eh, just let the boys run all over the neighborhood without any supervision. Not that we don't trust our neighbors. We just don't trust our children. And uh, so it's like, we're not going to walk them up to the door, but somebody in their general vicinity is probably a good idea. But then that leaves somebody that has to pass out candy at our house because I remember when I was a kid trick-or-treating if people just left the the basket what I would do and so I have trust issues still to this day Uh, so I would I would stay home and and pass out candy and uh, Brooke loves to see all the kids in their costumes and she loves that I'm indifferent I'm like congratulations you dressed up here's some candy that's awesome until there's somebody who I think is way too old to be trick-or-treating, and puts in no effort. Now, I have heard, I have heard that, you know, at least they're trick-or-treating, and they're not out causing more trouble. And to that, I say, you fool. All they're doing is getting sugar so that they can go cause more trouble. I know how their minds work. But I'll grant, perhaps, I'm just a pessimist. So, I will still give candy even to the kids that I'm like, you're way too old. Go get a job and buy your own candy, all right? I will still pass out. Everyone's hiring, but I will still pass out candy to them. And if they put in no effort, that's where I really have a hard time. That's when I really have a hard time. So this year I decided to do a little something different. Last year I gave them bubble gum, like that, not not like good gum, like Orbit or anything like that. I gave them that hard gum, preferably that sat in the back of our cupboard for over a year, like might crack their teeth when they first launch into a bite of it gum. And so this year I decided I would change it up. Maybe I went a little too far last year, so I would change it up. And then I decided, you know what we should do, since they're old, let's celebrate them being old. And how can we celebrate them being old? By giving them almond joys. Because seriously, I have yet to meet somebody under 70 who's like, ooh, I love almond joys. And so what I decided to do was get the almond joys, and every kid that I thought was too old to be trick-or-treating that didn't put in any effort, they got almond joys. And there was a group of teenagers who came up, and a couple of them were really decked out they were decked out really well put in a lot of effort they got the good stuff but there was one guy carrying his pillowcase no effort whatsoever and I'm like you sir you sir have earned yourself two almond joys happy Halloween and so I gave him those and when I give the almond joys I'd like hold them up just to let it really sink in what they were about to get and uh, I, I put the biggest smile on my face I said happy Halloween as I dropped those in into his pillowcase and he's like walking out with his friends. He said, did you get Almond Joys? They're like, no, we got Starbursts, we got Snickers, we got Kit Kats, we got Butterfingers, all that. He's like, I got Almond Joys. And his friends started laughing at him. And they said, well, don't blame us. We're not the ones who gave out the candy. It made my night complete. I was, I got to tell you, I went to bed so happy, biggest smile on my face, Halloween night from that encounter. It was great. It was great. And today, what we're going to talk about, number one, is how I have psychological problems. But number two, number two, we're going to talk about this idea that everything we have, that everything we have isn't ultimately because of us. That everything we have, everything we have has been given to us and why this is so important so if you have your phones or your tablets i'd invite you to follow along with us this morning in the bible app it's a free resource that you can find in the app store of your choosing and once you've downloaded and installed the bible app on your device there's a number of fantastic features that are available within it but one of those features is called events and there you can either enable your locations or type in zip code 54201 and lakeside community church will pop up You can follow along with us that way this morning. If you have a traditional Bible with you, we are going through the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes, and today we're going to be looking at Ecclesiastes chapter 6, and if you're joining us via the stream, the verses will be available on the screen below as we continue to look at the book written by King Solomon, who experienced all that life would have to offer he would accomplish things we could only dream of, and yet at the end of his life, as he's going through, as he's remembering things, as he's taking inventory of the life that he lived, he's reflecting. And in that reflection, he's seeing that a lot of things left him unsatisfied, and a lot of things left him unfulfilled, and how we as people who love Jesus, most of us, love Jesus who are here we love Jesus, there can still, even when we love Jesus, be this longing within us, and we're trying to discover why is that. And when we understand how we've been designed and the relationship that we need to have with our Creator, it will give us even more insight into how we can live the most fulfilled, satisfied life possible. So today we continue in Ecclesiastes chapter 6. We're going to start by reading verses 1 and 2 right now. There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, It lies heavy on mankind. A man to whom God gives wealth, possessions, and honor so that he lacks nothing of all that he desires, yet God does not give him power to enjoy them, but a stranger enjoys them. This is vanity. It is a grievous evil. So let's stop right there. I don't know what you think about when you think about the face of evil. Maybe it's Maybe it's a serial killer. I know Jeffrey Dahmer's back in, the, back in the news and discussion lately because of the new Netflix series. Maybe when you think of, when you think of pure evil, you think of, of serial killers. Maybe you think of child molesters. Maybe you think of rapists. Maybe you think of terrorists. I don't know what comes in your mind when you think of pure evil, but that's kind of a category, maybe Hitler, it's kind of a category that we have reserved for a select few. And it's a really dark and despairing level when we think about it, this idea of just pure evil. And I'm wondering if many of us, when we think of that idea, when we think of that definition in our minds of what's just this pure, really essence of evil, if what Solomon has just explained to us rise to that level. My guess is that for most of us, it doesn't. My guess is that when most of us think of a life with some unrealized potential, that we think that's disappointing and it's sad. But I'm not sure that we would really bring it up to the level of pure evil. And yet, here we are. There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, a grievous evil. He says at the end of Ecclesiastes 6.2, and it lies heavily on mankind, that God gives wealth, And God gives possessions and honor. Did you catch that? That God gives wealth, God gives possessions, and God gives honor. All that isn't because we're fantastic people. All that isn't because we do all these great things. Ultimately, God is the source of everything. That God is the source of everything. Now make no mistake, we can position ourselves in better position to receive God's blessing. And God has given us a, a roadmap for life and how to do that through Scripture. So we can position ourselves to receive more of this, but none of this is ultimately in and of ourselves. It is God who gives wealth. It is God who entrusts us with possessions. It is God who instills honor upon, among people. It's God who does these things. And when we start to live our lives, like everything good that we experience, everything that we've accomplished and everything that we've achieved and everything that we acquired is because of ourselves, and we start to, we start to remove God from that equation, our lives very quickly become unbalanced. Because rather than have appreciation and understanding that everything that's entrusted to us is ultimately God's, We start to think, well, I accomplished that. Well, I achieved that. Well, I did this, and I get this. And one of the things that we have to do if we're going to live satisfied, fulfilled lives is we have to remember that everything we experience and everything we have is ultimately given to us by God. It is not ours. It is ultimately His, and He is the one who ultimately gives So Solomon has seen some that God lavishly, lavishly gives wealth. And God lavishly gives possessions. And God lavishly gives them honor. He gives them all of these things so that he lacks nothing. So that when he sits down and he dreams about what my life would look like, he's accomplished it. He's accomplished it. And some of you might find yourself right now in a season of life where you you don't have much. And you find yourself in a season where you are dreaming and you're like, if I could only accomplish this, if I could only achieve this, if I could only acquire this, then I would be satisfied. Then I would be satisfied. And you start in your goals, and it's great to have goals, but in your goals you determine that once I achieve these things, that will be the path to my happiness. That will be the path to my satisfaction. And here we're reminded yet again Ultimately, it is an unfulfilling path that you're setting yourself on. That here's somebody who accomplished and achieved everything that he could possibly have dreamed of. He lacks nothing that he wants or desires, and yet God doesn't give him the power to enjoy it. And Never before, never before in the history of humanity Has a country experienced the incredible wealth and technological advances that we've seen? And never before have people been more miserable. Because every time we convince ourselves that once I achieve this, once I acquire this, I'll be happy, we've bought into the lie. Because it's ultimately never enough. And it never will satisfy. And it will never keep us happy. Yet God does not give them the power to enjoy them. But a stranger enjoys them. So maybe you experience it for a moment, but then it's taken from you. Maybe you experience it for a moment, but then you die, and you leave it all to somebody else. That God has given this person everything that they wanted, and yet there's no enjoyment in their life. And all the all the labor that they've done, all of their wealth, all of their possessions, all of their honor now goes to another. This is a vanity and a grievous evil. So, what do we do? As people that love and follow God, how do we safeguard ourselves against this? Because we see this on display everywhere that we look. And if we're honest, it, it oftentimes creeps into our own lives as well. And so how do we safeguard ourselves from this to make sure that we can live the most satisfied and fulfilling lives possible in our pursuit of following after God? And the first step is this, to remember who ultimately gives and to enjoy the blessings that God gives us while they're available. To recognize that money won't last forever, that fame, and fame is fleeting. That yes, God has given us a roadmap for how to handle blessing. And when we follow that, we position ourselves to be blessed in even greater levels. But ultimately understanding that it is all His. And when we remember that it's all been given to us. It's not because of what we we do in and of ourselves. But it's all ultimately His. Then we position ourselves to remember that. And to enjoy it. And to celebrate it. And to not find our self-worth and our self-value in what we accomplish and what we achieve. Because accomplishments and achievements can be taken away just as quickly as they come about. If a man fathers a hundred children and lives many years, so that the days of his years are many, but his soul is not satisfied with life's good things, and he also has no burial, I say that a stillborn child is better off than he I had an example written down. I'm like, this is the example of, I remember when I was growing up from childhood, there was a superstar that came to Cleveland, and and everybody was excited about the superstar and what he was going to be able to produce, the results he was going to produce as an athlete. But then quickly, the bigger story became how how many kids he fathered. And, And I just think, how many professional athletes, not just to pick on athletes, I know it's celebrities of all kinds, but how many professional athletes just embody this verse? How many professional, the little kids dream about being able to do what, what these men and women can do athletically. They dream about that growing up. They spend hours outside in the yard playing and, and, and fantasizing about the ability to do what some of these players can do. And yet, how many times when a spotlight is shown into their lives off the field, It's just a story of brokenness. It's just a story of of pursuing sexual encounters of of numerous kinds because it's never enough and they're never satisfied and they leave behind broken legacies. I don't want to put anybody on blast because it's, it's not unique. I'm not saying every professional athlete falls into this trap. We could list a number of them. And what does that tell us? What does that tell us? Well, it tells us a couple things. Number one, number one, it tells us that even if we reach the pinnacle of all of our dreams, there's still going to be something that isn't satisfying. Even if we, even if we fulfill every fantasy, it's still going to leave us wanting more and more and more. And the results that promise us fulfillment, a life of fame, a life of incredible accomplishments, a life of of every fantasy being fulfilled, ultimately leaves us wanting more. Because it's never enough. I say that a stillborn child is better off than he, and then Solomon continues for it comes in vanity, and it goes in darkness, and in darkness its name is covered. Moreover, it has not seen the sun or known anything, yet it finds rest rather than he, even though he should live a thousand years twice over, yet in joy no good. Do not all go to the one place. And I want to be very clear, this is not a flippant comparison. I mean, you might, you might read that, and that might trigger something within you. Because of loss that you've experienced in your life or the life of a family member or a close friend. And you might feel triggered when when Solomon's saying it's better off to be a stillborn child than to live this life. And you might think, well, that's that's a little extreme. That's a little flippant. But this is not a flippant comparison. And when you think about that pain, you think about the pain of loss. You think about the pain of, of losing a child. You think about that. We oftentimes don't put in the same category anywhere near it. A life that is lived, that is lived this way. And yet what scripture tells us is that as horrible and as sad as a stillborn child is, a life that in many ways is wasted, That brings about no fulfillment is even worse. And I don't know about you, but I look around our society right now, and it's fascinating to me. It's fascinating to me where we find ourselves. That all the things that we've convinced ourselves would make our lives easier and make our lives better, that would bring about more fulfillment, have done just the opposite. And everyone's a sad kid right now. Everyone's a sad kid. And why does this matter? Because those of us who follow Jesus, we could look at it and say, well, that's just naturally what happens. That's naturally what happens when you live a life apart from following after God. And that's true. But if we're honest, the same thing can be true of us. Even when we love and follow God. Because this is an issue of priority. This is an issue of what drives us. Where is our focus? Where do we expend our energy? And what have we convinced ourselves that we need to chase after? That we have convinced ourselves will ultimately bring us joy and fulfillment. Are we running after the things we should run after? All the toil of man is for his mouth, yet his appetite is not satisfied. So, why is everyone sad? Why is everyone sad? Well, the first reason is this we consume everything. We consume everything, and we erroneously believe that consumption and achievements will satisfy. We consume everything and we erroneously believe that all of, that all of the consumption and all the achievements will ultimately satisfy. How happy were you when you bought your last purse? Probably pretty ecstatic. When you walked out of the store or you looked online, you got it shipped to the house. You're like, oh, Prime takes two days. What's up with that? Or or you're like, I'm not getting a purse off Amazon. What are you talking about, Brian? It's way better than that. And and then you get it, and you're happy with it? For how long? For how long? When's the last time you you went to that steakhouse, and you didn't even want to look? Like, you didn't even want to look, and maybe the prices weren't even on the menu. Uh, Spoiler alert. If it's ever MP, just buckle up, buddy, because market prices, yeah, it's going to be fun. It's probably going to be good, but it's going to be fun when you get that bill. So if somebody else is paying, depending on if you like them. Maybe steer clear, or maybe go the market price. You do you, all right? Whatever you want to do. But think about the last time you sit down to just a, a meal. You know, all right, this is going to be this is going to it's going to be expensive. It's going to be expensive, but it's great. Every bite is just delicious. Just a just a great meal. Maybe you're out celebrating something. Maybe somebody got married. You're just just a great meal. You know the problem with that great meal? You're going to be hungry again. And this is the problem in our society. Is everybody sad because we've convinced ourselves that if only I could achieve this, and if only I could acquire this, then I'd be satisfied. But we consume everything hunger doesn't dissipate it's still there for what advantage has the wise man over the fool and what does the poor man have who knows how to conduct himself before the living better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the appetite this also is vanity and a striving after wind. Why is everyone so sad? Well, number one, we consume everything, and we erroneously believe that consumption and achievement will satisfy. Number two, we discover that we're really all the same. We discover we're really all the same. People can't. Hit. I mean, everybody wants to be an individual right now. Everybody wants to be a big deal. Everybody wants to define their own truth, and everybody wants to wants to just declare. When you boil it all down, we're really all the same. And for somebody that takes so much pride in being an individual, when they come to that realization, it's life-altering. Number three, we don't know, and we can't control the future. Why is everybody so sad right now? Because we've realized we don't know the future and we can't control it. Out of all the technological advances, out of all the ease that it now is to gain information, it's at our finger. You want to know anything, it's at our fingertips. And yet, we are reminded every single day that we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring and we aren't ultimately in control. And we want to control every aspect, not only of our lives, we want to control every aspect of everything. So this realization, there's nothing we can do. It's bitter. And where does all this lead? leads to dissatisfaction. Then when you convince yourself, if I accomplish this, I'll be happy, and then you accomplish it, and there's still a wanting for more. Then when you convince yourself, I'm an individual, and there's nobody else like me, and that's true, God has designed you individually, but ultimately you recognize we're all human. We're all the same, and when information is at your fingertips but you don't know what tomorrow holds and you can't control it, dissatisfaction comes our way. Whatever has come to be has already been named and it is known what man is. And that he is not able to dispute with one stronger than he. The more words, the more vanity. And what is the advantage to man? And right here in the middle or the end of Ecclesiastes chapter 6, we arrive at a point where the book of Ecclesiastes turns. It starts to turn right here. And Solomon begins to conclude things. And for those of you who are like, oh, that's fantastic news because this has been heavy and this is getting dark. Well, the conclusion isn't quick. Sorry about that. We're, like, we're going to still be journeying through. Uh, so just please keep, keep following along with us. But, but he, starts to, he starts to shift. He starts to shift. And he starts to conclude things. Remember, Solomon is writing Ecclesiastes as he looks back on his life. Out of all the accomplishments and all of the achievements. And it's with the benefit of hindsight that he's writing this. You ever look back and think, wow, I made a really dumb decision. Well, if you've never done that, then you need to go see a therapist, all right? Because we all have. We've all made some really dumb decisions. And when we look back at it, sometimes we can beat ourselves up. And sometimes maybe that's apropos because at the time we knew, hey, this is a really bad decision, but for whatever reason, we pursued it anyways. But sometimes we look back and we're like, whoa, I made a really bad decision there. We need to give ourselves some grace, because we didn't have all the information at the time we made the decision that we have now with the benefit of hindsight. They say hindsight's twenty twenty. You can see it perfectly. And that's true because you have all the information looking back that you didn't have at the time. But that's the benefit of doing something like Solomon's doing here. When we look back, we have the benefit of even more information. And Solomon's looking back. He's looking at all the things that didn't satisfy him, all the things that didn't fulfill him. And we have the benefit here of hindsight. And here, Ecclesiastes, it starts to change directions. Solomon begins to conclude things. And the first part of his conclusion is this. And it's so foundational to who you are as an individual and how you live your life. And it is this. The whole essence... Of our being is fully known by God. The whole essence of our being is fully known by God. That every want that we have, every desire, every struggle, everything that holds us back, every addiction, every success, every dream, all of that, every part of our essence is fully known by God. It's fully known by God. The next part is this. that The more time we spend talking and defending ourselves, the more we reveal our limitations in our insecurities. You will not be understood by everyone. You will not be loved by everyone. And if you put your value and your self worth and the perception of others, how they perceive you, and what they conclude about your achievements, you will never be satisfied. You will never be fulfilled. And in that lack of satisfaction, in that place where we aren't fulfilled. It can, it can very easily pave a way to insecurity. And once insecurity comes and it lives in our lives, then we we feel like we have to defend ourselves. We feel like we have to promote ourselves. We feel like we have to convince people that, that I'm okay and you should love me. And look at what I've done. But it's just a vicious cycle that never leads to fulfillment. And the more time we spend on that, it just continues to reveal to us deeper and deeper limitations and insecurities. For who knows what is good for man while he lives the few days of his vain life, which he passes like a shadow? For who can tell man what will be after him under the sun? Because we are finite in our thinking. We are finite in our thinking. We are finite in our, in our existence. We are unable to grasp what is fully to come. And because so many of us live in that space, we live lives that are limited, and we never get to experience the fullness of joy that God would have us experience when we fully embrace the fact that we are created in God's image. That He has made us. That every good thing that He's entrusted to us isn't because of what we have done. But it's ultimately a gift from Him. So we don't have to spend all of our times trying to convince everyone else, especially people that don't like us, how incredible we are, how wonderful we are, and how deserving we are. That God has seen us for who we are, for our brokenness, for our flaws, for our insecurities, for our mistakes. And he's loved us anyway. And his desire is that we would live lives of fullness. Embracing the fact that we are loved and valued by our creator. And that's available to us all because of what his son Jesus accomplished on our behalf. this life is temporary a couple days ago i turned 40 years old it's one of the milestones i didn't feel any different i'm glad for that i had a friend who turned 40 about 10 years ago he said all the day i turned 40 i woke up feeling horrible things hurt like never before i'm like well okay so i was like dreading it no i feel fine I mean, granted i'm two days in so give me a couple more weeks it might start Maybe he's just an overachiever. I don't know. But so far, I feel great. But, you know, I'm thinking about 40, and I'm thinking maybe in five to 10 years, I've reached the halfway point. Maybe I'm way past the halfway point. I don't know. I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. But here's what I know, that of however much time I have left, I want it to really matter. that I don't want to spend my days that I have left chasing after things that don't matter. I don't want to spend my days that I have left being worried about what people that don't like me think about me. I don't want to spend my days being worried about convincing everybody else that that I was right in this circumstance or I was right in this situation or I made the right call here or, or this is why I did what I did. Because all of those things are distractions. And if we're not careful, that's how we become destroyed. I've heard it said, if the enemy can't destroy you, he's happy to distract you. And I don't know about you, and I look at our culture, I look at our society, I look at our world. And I wish we could just say it's all out there. But it's crept into people that love Jesus too. And we are distracted. And we are distracted by things that will ultimately destroy us. But God has offered us a better way. If we'll remember that everything we accomplish and everything we achieve is ultimately because of him anyway. That it's his. That we can live lives to purpose. That we can enjoy what each day brings. That we find our fulfillment and our satisfaction not when we accomplish things or convince ourselves that, well this goal, I have to meet this goal and I have to meet this goal. But instead, we fully embrace the fact that we are created by a God who knows us at our worst and loves us anyway. And that is the path to satisfaction. That is the path to fulfillment. And that is the path to experience life to its fullest. God, I pray that we wouldn't be distracted. Pray that of all the pursuits that come our way of all the things that we can accomplish and we can achieve God we just stop we just stop trying to find fulfillment in those things our outlook on life isn't determined by the outcome of our endeavors. And God, as we look at our society and we see never before has there been more information available to us, never before has there been more wealth available to us, but never before have people been more miserable. I pray, God, we would ask some hard questions. Not just of society, not just of people out there, but of our own selves and of what's going on in our hearts and our minds. The reason for the dreams we dream. The pursuits we chase after. The passions we try to fulfill. God, that we would recognize that ultimately nothing satisfies a relationship with you. May we pursue you, Jesus, every day for your glory.